Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. God, thank you for who you are as we've sung this morning in the ways that you are. You're here by your grace. You didn't set in motion a story and call us. You are alive and at work in our world. You are calling us. You are calling us together and you are here by your spirit. We pray for our friends. Uh, They're at home, leaning in with us, wanting to be here, but for health reasons or anxiety reasons uh, or distance are not able to be here. And we ask God that in living rooms this morning, you would meet with your church as you would right here. I thank you for one another. I thank you for your revelation in scripture and how you've chosen down through the centuries to speak to your people through your word. What a mystery, God. But we bow with our hands open to you today again. Give us ears to hear your voice and speak. Amen? Amen. All right. So next Sunday, I'm going to be introducing our fall core series. I tend to wait till October. I know some people are like, come on, let's get going. But it always takes us a while to get in the room, right? September is a bit of a a straggly season. So I always feel like September is a time to gather and then October we jump in. So that's next week. This morning, we're going to spend some time in a part of Ephesians 4. Um, Jerry prayed a bit of Ephesians 4 for us today. Uh, a bit of Ephesians 4 and how it relates to our life together as a church. But before we turn there, I want to begin with just some honest thoughts about life these days and our life as a church, which I think will lead us to the importance of what God says in Ephesians 4. I'm kind of stepping in this morning with a bit of like a fireside chat slash state of the union slash family conversation sort of idea. I almost like thought about having like a stool or a, a, I don't know, sofa chair or something like that, but didn't get around to it. But I think it's something we need, um, right? And every, every family, every community, re- relationship, marriage, team has to have moments where you pause in the midst of the go, where you pause and just talk about what's going on, where things are at. And I, I, I feel uh, this in this moment, not as a pastor to church performance review. That is not what this is at all. This is just a, can we just be honest sort of moment? I hope that's what it will feel like. And I hope out of that, that we can let God meet us in that place. Not the ideal place that we want to be, but the real place that we are, and then find God's way forward. And no, this is not a setup for a resignation announcement. Um, And I say that because you might know that there are many churches across our city right now that are without primary leadership. Um, Some of you might actually be here with us because the church that you've been a part of no longer has a leader and you found that very destabilizing and uncertain or that was your primary relationship to that community. Um, There are 13 churches in Victoria right now, 13 churches and vital Christian ministries that are without a primary leader. That is epic. I don't know if that's happened before. Um, it's crazy, but it should not be a surprise. 
this side of COVID, right? This side of COVID and mask and vaccine mandates and all the push and pull of that and all the social upheaval, political upheaval the last few years and how that's been experienced in communities and families and friends. Uh, it's taken a toll on all of us, whether we realize it or not. And the impacts of, of this are still unraveling, right? Market instabilities, inflation, mental health crisis. I'm reading a book right now. It's called Nickled and Dimed uh, by Barbara Ehrenreich. She just passed away uh, this past week, but it's a book that came out, I think, in the late 60s. I see a nod. Someone maybe recognize it. It's a fascinating study on trying to survive at the poverty level, uh, at the bottom rung in America in the era when Clinton tried to bring about welfare reform. Why am I talking about that? Oh yeah, she makes this comment. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, lost woman. So, uh, I'm in the middles, Jerry. It's a middle moment. Um, but she's talking about just scraping by on minimum wage. And minimum wage at times in different places is appalling. Minimum wage when the cost of housing is going up and up and up. And often the poverty line is determined by a certain cost of food multiplied by three for a family, a single parent with two kids to live on. And they make the comment in the, whatever year this was. Oh, this is 1999 actually. And the author makes the comment that the reason they do that is because the cost of food is one of those things that rarely changes. And yet here we are, right? There's so much impact in unusual times that we're in that we're all feeling. The last few years have been about survival and hopefully recovery, though the divisive and complicated journey of it all and the surprises of it mean that some of us are still just in the survival piece and we feel it. We don't always name it, but we feel it. And because this is true of many, of many of us, this is also true of us as a church, right? As it is of every church. And I think we feel that as we step into this fall. And if we don't, I, I, wanna, I wanna give you a little window into it today. Um, even though there's a lot of life in this room, man, there is, and I think we feel that. But there's also this mix of survival and recovery at play as well. When the pandemic began, for all the surprise of it, um, having to reorganize our lives and our church life, there were also some gifts of it for some people. I'm sure some of you would say, I know I've heard, that depending on your situation, it's a very different experience. For some people, it was this great relief, almost a pause from the relentless drive of everything you had signed yourself up for and everything that was required of you. And it almost meant this like moment to breathe. And for others, at the exact same moment, it felt like an instantaneous cancellation of everything good and worth aiming towards. And then for others, and I put myself in this third camp, the arrival of the pandemic felt like an overnight complexity maker, unleashing this daily onslaught of new information and new limitations, new decisions that need to be made, increased demands that took more time to handle and felt like they needed to be decided right now. No wonder so many people, including pastors, have felt the need to make a career change in the last season. 
So much more could be said on that. I haven't even mentioned at all the very significant known or hidden personal stuff that's gone on, gone on for all of us, within us, in our relationships, in our families. Suffice it to say, it's been a complicated, hard few years. And yes, there are beautiful things, gifts, grace, much even, but all in the midst of wartime measures, right? Even here in the safety of the West. And as we step into this moment, although COVID is still here, this fall does feel different, doesn't it? It feels different to last fall, partly because this summer felt different. Last fall, last September, we were just regathering. That stuns me. Those of us that have been a part of Lambrick for years, it's crazy to think that literally last, summer, last September was our first Sunday back in this room together after 18 months of doing church a way we hated. Sorry, that's me speaking. <laughs> Honestly, you guys are why I'm a pastor. And so for me, Sunday after Sunday or Thursday after Thursday to sit in an office and speak to a camera was death. <laughs> there was nothing life-giving there because I'm a pastor because of people. Sorry, I got my stuff. I need to see my own counselor, right? <laughs> but as we step into this fall, there's this, it feels like a different moment. It feels like a, a new moment, a new opportunity, a renewing opportunity. We've had a summer that had some sense of normalcy. If, you're, if your family or you participate in a summer camp, this summer actually got back to being there and doing it the way that you knew it once was. Many of you actually planned holidays this year and you actually took them. Or you actually ran away on every long weekend you could get. Or you actually faked a sick day and made your own long weekend and didn't post anything on social media so your boss and coworkers wouldn't know that you weren't actually sick, right? Our sabbatical team, uh, teaching team, did an amazing job teaching the Fruitable series in July, uh, June and July, May, June, July. And there was and is life in our community, and many of us feel it. it's a gift. And so for me, as I returned in August from three months in sabbatical, I felt myself excited again, maybe finally for the first time in a while, excited for this fall together and for the next six or 16 years or however many years God gives us. And, but, but specifically, excited for this season for this moment to really, to renew our life together, to not just come together, but to dig in, to dive in together. But if I'm honest, I'm already at that point in the fall, I think. Mark it, September 25th, where my heart and my soul and my mind and my body are already saying quietly, if not increasingly loudly, I don't think I can do it. And some of you feel that. In case that freaks you out, again, it's not a resignation announcement. <laughs> Let me explain. See, every August, as we look ahead to the coming season, as I look ahead to the coming season, I get excited. I get excited for all the things that God wants to do among us and with us. I get excited about God's heart for college students to find a Christian community, to find a church family 
and not just give up their faith and leave it at home, but here in the midst of the complexity of college years to find some brothers and sisters, some mentors, some aunts and uncles to help them know and seek a living Jesus who matters for their lives and world. I get excited about kids at Lambrick being known and loved, being seen, being introduced to Jesus and mentored in the ways of Jesus from older brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles in this room. I get excited about people encountering the gospel for the first time in their life, being pulled in through a friend, or they live in this neighborhood, walking in our door, or stepping into your kitchen, encountering, oh, there's something real here, and something beautiful here, and, and coming to Jesus, and being discipled in community, learning to seek and follow a living Jesus with their real lives. Man, that fires me up. That gets me leaning towards the fall. I get excited about about wounded women and men, young and old and in the middle, finding companionship and understanding and support and hope and healing with others. I get excited about us being a light in this community. I get excited about us doing um, Treat Street, our Halloween event. That's just this stupid, fun, safe thing right here where like four or 500 people from our neighborhood step in our doors and just play for a night and meet Christians and meet the church, meet Lambrick a little bit. I got my hair cut a couple weeks ago and my hairdresser, she's 25, she's lived in this neighborhood her whole life and she says, are you guys the church that does that Halloween event? Could I come and volunteer? It's the coolest thing. And specifically she mentioned how we do, in the last couple of years we've done something for sensory sensitive kids who are overwhelmed by it and she just thought that was the most beautiful thing. She has no interest in Jesus but she sees the church, this church, doing something beautiful for the community. I love that. Fires me up. Gets me excited for us to be a light, God's light in our community. I get excited about confused, discouraged, deconstructing Christians, rediscovering the grace of honest Christian people and the beauty of Jesus, who is better news than they think he is. I get excited about little huddles of us all across the city, locking arms and leaning in, not just to be friends, though yes, but also to support one another, to pray for one another, to open up God's word and encourage one another, make sense of God's invitation in our real lives. I get excited about God's people being unleashed to pursue and champion the things that God has uniquely made each one of us for whether that's setting captives free or that's caring for widows or orphans or that's inspiring and encouraging isolated and discouraged artists or that's overcoming unjust power structures or coming along young, alongside young people who are confused about their gender and sexuality. I get excited about us growing in prayer together. I get excited about things. You can hear it, right? Maybe I'm putting you to sleep. I'm so excited. I get excited about men banding together and seeking Jesus. I get excited about women becoming companions and breaking past facades and being known and seeking Jesus. I get excited about Lambert growing as a community where men and women are empowered together to serve and lead and be God's people. And in the midst of writing all of this out, Shayla walks into my office the other morning, literally, as I've just finished writing everything I just said, and she walks in my office. It wasn't really like a, hey, can we talk? It was like a, hey, hey you're here. I'm sitting down. Can I tell you about this ministry? Has Lambrick ever done Freedom Sessions, which is this beautiful Christian recovery ministry? Maybe we should do this. 
Oh, and by the way, have you heard about this awesome teaching series called Jesus, Gender, and Sex? My friend's leading it at another church. Maybe we should do it here. And everything in my heart, Shayla, is like, yes. But I'm curious what you saw on my face in that moment. Everything in my heart says yes. Add it to the list. These are the things that get me excited. This is why I'm a pastor. Because this is what I want for us. This is what I think God wants for us. Not some dream of being the biggest church or the best church or having the biggest budget or the nicest chairs, and I know you feel that right now, or the best light show, but a vision that we hear in Scripture at many places. One place is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 to 13, that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is God's vision, dream for us over a lifetime. That the body of Christ may be built up. That's you. That's us as a community. The body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I want you to lay aside for a moment how far off that might sound and be honest with yourself. Is that not what you long for and pray for yourself, for your friends, for your family, for your kids, for the people sitting around you this morning, that we would know Christ in all his fullness, that we would become mature, not like boring mature, but beautifully mature, grown up into the wholeness of who God is revealed in Jesus, that we would bear his image. How much does our world right now need to see that in the church, a community filled with God's beautiful, Jesus' beautiful wholeness, maturity, that we as a community of God's people would become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is what I pray for, for us. It's what I hear in many of your prayers. It's what excites me as every fall as we look into the season until about September 25th. <laughs> Mid to late September when I find myself increasingly gripped with this subtle conviction, I don't think I can do it. And I mean that. Read my journal this week, but I'm not gonna lend it to you. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. And partly that's my wiring and that's my Enneagram number and all that kind of stuff, but... There is this growing sense, I can't make it all happen. And for all her gifts, Lucy can't do it either, though she's amazing how much she can make happen. And this is where the bigger emphasis of Ephesians 7 through 16 is a comfort to me and a roadmap and an invitation for all of us. It's why it's important to never just read one Bible verse, but to read it in its context, right? to hear that the body of Christ may be built up within the larger picture of what God is saying through the Apostle Paul. Because in the first half of Ephesians 4, and if you know Ephesians 4, or Ephesians, Ephesians is this beautiful letter about maturity in Christ. It's one of the only New Testament letters that is not an occasional letter. It's not written to address one specific thing. Uh, it's written as a circular letter that went to many people. And so it's one of the few times where Paul seems to be writing just bigger, bigger statements, more general statements that apply to everybody, and his heartbeat is toward maturity in Christ. The first half of the letter is this 
this declaration of all that we have been given in Christ. The second half of the letter is all of this so now what? Here's how. It's beautiful. It's so practical. It's so practical. And in the middle, in Ephesians chapter four, the first half of it, before the part that Jerry started leading us into, there's this almost purposeful pause where Paul qualifies everything else that he has to say about our becoming mature in Christ. And if you know Ephesians well, your mind might be running to Paul's famous words in Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, about the role of pastors and teachers. Paul writes, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, right? This is a verse that, that rings out in my heart a lot, again and again. In truth, it's a part of why I often feel overwhelmed around now with all the opportunities and needs and dreams for what God could do among us, what God wants to do among us. But Paul's words to equip his people for works of service point us toward this greater point, that speaks to all of us, this greater reality that frames the whole of Ephesians 4, 7 to 16. And we hear it both in the opening verse and the close of this piece of scripture. Verse seven, Paul declares, but to each one, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And the Greek word grace is, uh, has connections to the Greek word for gifts, charis, charismata, but to each one, grace, gifts have been given as Christ apportioned it. And then in verse 16, at the end of this text, it says, from him, that is Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. And if we were to go back and read the previous passage, the previous five verses, six verses, we'd hear Paul over and over say the word one and all. Let me read verses four and five to us. It says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, of all who is over all and through all and in all. That's verse six. And then verse seven comes and we notice this shift. One, 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 all, all, all. Verse seven, but to each one of us, each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this, my friends, is Paul's point, And I think good news for all of us, including me. And it's this, that God's dream, God's vision for us to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, doesn't hang on the gifts or capacity of one person or a few, but it includes, it includes all of us. He says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, which means it is okay, right even, for me to feel that I can't do it all, and for you to feel that you can't do it all. Some of you are parents and you look at your kids growing up in the complexity of this day, and you look at the complexity inside of them, 
and you pray and you long for them to grow up into maturity in Christ and you feel, I can't do it. I, as a pastor, look out on you, us, look at the complexity in me and I think, I can't do this. I can't do it all and neither can you and, and I think Paul is telling us, the spirit through Paul is saying that is okay. It's more than okay. It's what God intended. And I know this is counter to one of the loudest mantras of our day. And I don't know who's saying, who all is saying it, probably Glennon Doyle, many others. This mantra that you are enough, you are enough. You are everything you need to be. You have everything you need. I am enough. I can do everything, everything. I am powerful. I have enough. I am enough. We can, you can, I can make it all happen. But here in Ephesians 4, we hear something different. And I think it is better because it's true. This liberating grace that I am and you are not enough, but Jesus is. And he makes it happen through a community. The church as each one does its part. That's why Lambrick's here. We started in the 60s. We're still alive today. Through all that's gone on, not because of Tom Cowan, though thank God for Tom Cowan. He's not here today because I think he's taking an interim role over at Central, helping them out during a transition. And not because of whoever, not because of me, but because of a body that in season and out have come together and brought ourselves to the table and God has done so much here. Here in verse 16, from him the whole body, from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We hear this in Romans Romans 12, verses three to eight, where Paul writes to the church, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with one members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. In accordance with your faith, if it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I want us to not ignore or miss the fact that all of this that I've just read to us comes right after Paul's exhortation, Romans 12. Many of us know this passage really well. If you grew up, in a youth group in the 90s like me, this was like a mantra. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, but not on your own. That's what Paul says, ultimately. Not on your own. Not cut off from others, not just you and Jesus. No, the life that Jesus invites us to seek. The life that Jesus invites you to seek. A life of growing up into the maturity of Christ is a life that we grow into together as each part does its work. Again and again, throughout all scripture, 
God is calling us away from isolation into the life of the church where every one of us has a part to play and every part is needed. Every part is needed. Your part is needed. The, thing, the important thing is not what part it is, what part we are, but that we are doing our part, bringing to others, that we're a functioning part of the body. Lucy and I were joking recently that this Sunday we could call it Bodily Functions Sunday. <laughs> and it is, because when we're talking about the church, there are a few things that are as vital as proper bodily functions. <laughs> because it takes a church it takes a church, a community, all coming together with open hands, offering up whatever God has given us to give others and receiving whatever God wants to give to us from others. And I say all this today not because we need more volunteers to make everything happen, though we probably do. And next Sunday we're having a a Lambert Ministry Fair, so you can see what all is happening and maybe find some place to contribute or cheer on. But God's word to us today, I'm convinced, is not primarily aimed at filling our volunteer rosters. It's about something deeper than that. It is about the fullness of Christ in us. Us. And hear that as a plural. Not just me or just you, but us. It's about us, us becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. So let me land the plane here by pulling a little bit of this together for a moment. Uh, God's word to us in scripture and the reality of this moment. I simply think we need to be honest with ourselves and with one another, that not all systems are a go. Can we just name that? Does anyone else need me to say that today? You feel like not all systems are a go in you? Okay, honestly, if that's you, you probably don't want to put up your hand because that's how you feel, right? Not all systems are a go, and that is okay. That is the truth in so many of our lives, which means that is also the truth in our shared life. There's a desire in many of us as we tip into this fall, into this season, into the fall of 2022, after all that's gone on, we so many of us long to see everything happening again. Uh, we want to renew and reboot all the former things. We want to launch new things, tons of things. We've had just like in our pockets, ideas, God, God ideas in our pockets for years. We're like, let's time, let's do it. And we want to finally address all the lingering facility issues. And you know they're there, right? You walk up to the front door and like you step on one pad that's up here and the next one's down here. And it's just a debacle. Um, we want to get all the committees going and all the teams working and all that. And for me as a pastor, honestly, my probably more than anything else, I want constantly to unleash, coordinate, launch, catalyze communities that every one of you would have just a little band of brothers or sisters or both to lean in and pursue Jesus with. Like nothing in my heart wants, I want nothing more than that. I, I so come into this fall longing for us to like launch like a rooted. A bunch of years ago, we did this all in discipleship experience for eight weeks and we all signed up and we, we, we went from having like six small groups to having 18 
And it was amazing, and people felt so connected. And I know some of you are like, please, let's do that. And yet, no one wants to commit to opening their home every Tuesday night because you just can't handle the normal right now. That's the reality. We all want to plug into something, but the plugging in isn't always there. And I just want us to be honest about that. And I'm not here to say no today. That's not my aim. I don't want to stifle anyone's God-inspired dream, but I think I want to invite us to be honest in this moment, to care for one another enough to not try to do everything, but simply, humbly, together, to ask God, what are the few things in this moment that you know are my must? What are the few things in this moment that I need to do? How would you want to use me here to contribute to this for the sake of the church? And that's not always about signing on to a list, but it is about something. It's about something. God, what are the few things that I must do in this season? How do you want to use me here? And then do it with faith and hope and love. Imagine what God can do even in this moment Fall of 2022, stretching forward. Imagine what God could do when a community of ordinary, maybe tired, (laughs) slash eager Christians like us offer to one another the simple gifts that God has given us and also are willing to receive from others what God has. I think so much could happen. It is. I think more. Let's pray. be still and give you a chance to speak to God what maybe as we sang already this morning you experienced God's presence here maybe you've been away until now or last week and and there's a sense of just gratitude that God is in this house and he's meeting you here or maybe as I spoke there's something in Paul's words in Ephesians or something that I shared that was just a, a door opened into grace for you it's just respond to God with our gratitude or our okay now, what, or whatever. Jesus, I thank you, we thank you together um, that as we read the story of scripture, we do not find you to be a task master. You are not a God who treats us as slaves to do your bidding with no regard for who we are and how we are. But in your grace and your love, you invite us into life. And it's an active life, but it's not just us. It's not just me. It's not just any of us on our own. You have invited us into a community. And you have made us ache for life with you. And you've given us one another right here. 
Lord, we ask that you would breathe your truth over the lies that beat us down, where we feel we need to be more, do more, be able to handle everything on our own. And you would teach us as a community, Lord, that in the coming season, the coming year, the coming years, we would more deeply, more evidently be um, known as a community where, that shares together um, in your ministry and in a way that becomes life-giving for so many, where all the gifts are invited to the table. All of us get to contribute. And, uh, and we also don't burn out certain people too, but we embrace one another's humanity and we embrace the gifts that you've given us and we shoulder this in a way that is a beautiful witness to your life in the church and your purposes and your designs. No celebrities, no superstars, but a humble living body. Thank you that you invite all of us into that. Amen.